you've seen the headlines. Decreased budgets and increased scrutiny mean it's more important than ever for advertisers to produce outcomes. Mountain is helping brands do that by turning the TV into a performance marketing machine. With Mountain, your ads reach tens of thousands of audience segments and get seen exclusively on premium streaming networks. And you can sit back as your campaigns automatically optimize thousands of times a day to drive peak performance. The result? High-impact ads served at the right time, right place, and to the right audience. Visit Mountain.com to learn more. On this episode, I speak with Anna Abdelnour, CEO and founder of ILA, the independent industry body driving the offense sector transition to a sustainable future. Anna and I discuss how marketing campaigns and events contribute to climate change, how big brands can be held accountable for their climate promises, and the importance of calling people in, not calling people out, when it comes to making the industry more sustainable. I hope you enjoy this episode. Anna, welcome to the AW360 podcast. I'm excited to have you on today. Thank you so much. I'm really pleased to be joining you. You're CEO and founder of Isla. Tell us about Isla and what you do there. So Isla um, is an experiment in uh, how businesses can be run. We're a um, nonprofit organization based in the United Kingdom, working in the kind of creative sector with event and experience organizations. And we founded um, with 12 members actually who helped fund the launch of our organization around three years ago during COVID. Um, And we support event industry and therefore kind of campaign marketing, um, advertising experience organizations up and down the supply chain um, to address sustainability in a meaningful and actionable way that's driven by data, by insights, education, and most importantly, collaboration across um, the industry. So we're a we're an organization that's looking at driving carbon reductions at industry level, uh, moving our sector into kind of circular economic practices and looking at how we can support the um, uh, the transformation of our industry through kind of innovation, you know, improvements in infrastructure and and really leveraging creativity to address the climate crisis at a sector level rather than just an individual organization level. When it comes to trying to achieve those global net zero targets and goals, what is it in the events, and I think even more so in the marketing and advertising industries, that you typically would see companies doing that would help reach those targets? That's interesting, Richard, because I think if I'm really honest, I don't think we've seen a lot of action um, across those kind of creative industries historically. I think there's a real appetite for it. You know, um, businesses and organizations are made up of people and people kind of have different motivations for doing things, but everybody wants to be doing better. Everybody is, you know, I believe everyone's intrinsically good. Um, But, you know, as an industry, actually we are founded um we operate around kind of consumerism and growth and sales and um i think we have been huge contributors actually to the uh to parts of the climate crisis um in terms of 
lifestyle, um, luxury, uh, immediacy, you know, being able to have what you want when you want it. Um, and those are really powerful drivers for people. Um, and I, and so I think at an industry level, we probably can't take a lot of credit for, um, working towards those net zero goals, but I really think there's actually a shift, a massive shift that's taking place at the moment across the creative sector, where people are really waking up to the fact that we've had the power to drive consumer behavior, behavior for decades. How can we harness that power now to actually drive um, citizenry and kind of um, civilianship and collaboration in the face of the challenges that we face when it comes to the environment. And I think that's really, really very exciting. Um, and what I enjoy so much about the work that we do in the industry that the work that we're working in, that there's there's two sides to the coin, um, but maybe the coin's landing on the other side now and we can drive forward change really positively. And I find that really exciting. So after quite a few years in the event industry, you turned around and decided, you know, hey, let's let's found this company, Isla, and and move forward. What was going on in your life in the events business that made you decide that? Yeah. So I had um I'd made some personal lifestyle changes and choices um in my early 20s. And I kind of had like this 80-20 rule. I was like 80% of the time, you know, I'm gonna live my life in this particular way. And that was things like, you know, I didn't eat meat and dairy. Um, I tried to travel by train instead of plane, you know, purchasing um secondhand, vintage, you know, ethically made clothing, all that sort of stuff. But then 20% of the time had had the grace to know that I couldn't be perfect. And I'd made these sort of changes in my lifestyle in my early 20s um but they weren't carrying through into my work um into the into my um the way i operated um in the work that i did and i remember having this sort of epiphany moment where i had this huge you know half a million pound budget to spend um on a very specific um type of work and i was like i don't have half a million pounds to spend in my personal life what's the point in me buying, you know, ethically or living my life in this way, when in my work life, I don't bring any of that to the table. And that was sort of a light bulb moment for me that made me realize that we have huge spend power, we have huge opportunity in our working lives to drive change. Um, and that's what inspired, um, inspired the organization. And, and um, I read the IPCC report, um, back in 2018, 2019, that called for radical cross-sector collaboration. And I thought, okay, well, if that's what the scientists are telling us to do, let's do that. How do we do that? Um, and that was really around bringing together industry leaders um, in, the, in the UK events and experience industry to say, hey, we can drive change here. We can do something here. We have solutions. We're a solutions industry um, and we can do better. So why don't we, why don't we do that? So it was really that light bulb moment where I was able to put myself as a person, an individual into my work, as opposed to just an employee or um, a worker. I, I brought my personal into the professional and aligned the two and realized that I couldn't carry on with things as they were anymore. And that's what sort of drove the motivation um, to establish Isla. Interesting. And how would you 
say that experiential campaigns or events or both are contributing to climate change. And I'm asking this on a level that, you know, obviously things like, you know, flying here, there and everywhere, whenever that's that's an option. You know, if we take that off the table, what are the other things, the things that most of us wouldn't be thinking of when we put a campaign together or attend an event? What are, what are the things you've seen? That's a good question. So I think um, some of it comes down to, I think what I was saying before about that kind of consumerist mindset, a lot of experiential or activation based um, and, and campaign marketing is trend driven. It's very of the moment and it's, um, you know, yeah, sorry, it's trend driven and it's very of the moment. And as a result of that, we're not thinking longer term and in the way that we're engaging. And we talk about people as consumers um, rather than kind of individuals or peoples or civilians, these sorts of things. And I think that we never really see past the, you know, the, the idea of advertised emissions. What by undertaking these activities, what's the longer term impact of this? By encouraging, you know, an uptake of two and a half percent on a product line um, through an experiential event or campaign, what's the impact of that from an emissions perspective? And, and there's a really fantastic organization based here in the UK called Purpose Disruptors that have kind of conceptualized this idea of advertised emissions and helps people um, calculate them and essentially look at how do you use your campaign to reduce your advertised emissions um, and to change consumer and essentially change behavior and I think it's that that's probably a place that we're not really thinking about that we're just getting out the next campaign getting out the next experience getting out the next activation um and I think when we talk, when you think about brands, you know, brands look to inspire long-term loyalty, you know, lifetime loyalty. No brand wants a high churn. No one wants high churn anywhere, right? That's not that's not good. Um, so how are we tapping in as um, experience creators, um, as event creators, as campaigners to that idea of loyalty and creating those brand experiences um, that doesn't necessarily always mean about more, 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 buy more, more, more of a thing, but how do we buy more into the brand, for example? So I think it's, it's, I think there's an opportunity to change the way that we approach things from kind of rapid turnover, build, burn, you know, next, next, next to how do we take this? How do we take our, that consumer, that person on a longer term brand journey with us? Do you see a generational disparity between younger people wanting more of this out of brands versus older people? And on the brand side, do you have resistance from certain types of companies versus others? For example, just larger companies who are more well-established or brands who have a large number of consumers that are of a younger generation feel like they would be more receptive to something like this versus those that are you know, legacy or older brands that appeal to an older demographic? Yes, that's a really interesting question. Um, and I think it might be very different across the pond, um, you know, between EU arms of brands and and perhaps US brands. And don't, I don't want to generalize by brands on the whole, because I think there probably is some disparity between, um, you know, how APAC and EMEA and North America and South America as regions kind of approach things. Um, but I do think, yes, absolutely, there is an expectation um, from a lot of younger consumers 
you know, 18 to 24, um, 18 to 35, sorry, 20, 25 to 35, um, that they want, it's there. We all know this, this isn't new information. They want to see brands um, taking accountability. They want to feel like they're buying into something good. They want to know that their purchase is not creating damage or, you know, whether that's environmental damage or kind of, um, you know, social um you know, social inequity, those sorts of things. And I, and absolutely, um, there is an appetite for, for those 18 to kind of 18 to 35 year olds who use their money to, to vote with what they want to see. Um, that isn't seen to be so important, um, in, in older generations, um, you know, 50 plus, but I also think that they are the, you know, they're the, they're the parents of this younger generation. And I hear more and more um within kind of that demographic that that their kids are influencing them and there is a there is also a psychological shift you know lots of people from little things like oh we eat a bit less meat now or oh we tried that new vegan thing you know they're they're inspired by their kids as much as there is a disparity so i think there's an opportunity for um you know smart advertising and campaigning and and experiences to tap into that because that's where kind of the wealth lives for people to be able to um buy with their money and, and vote with their money in the way that they're they're consuming and purchasing and i think i think there's um an opportunity for advertisers to tap into that market for kind of the, that that the greener good as it were in terms of big brands um versus smaller brands i actually I I don't know if there is um, a huge discrepancy between how they might uh, consider the importance of this subject matter, because the bigger the brand, the bigger the organization, the more they are, you know, have to respond to legislation. Um, you know, the SEC, for example, in the US, um, with in terms of reporting, you know, the bigger the organization you are, the more the more hoops you have to go through from that sense. In the UK, the TFCD, there's there's various different um uh, expectations legislated. Um, and so there's almost more of an impetus, uh, for bigger brands to be addressing this. It's just a harder boat to steer, um, bigger boat to steer as it were, but then the little, the smaller brands, um, they want to differentiate from those bigger ones as well. So everyone's almost coming, it's kind of like coming full circle. I think you kind of see people maybe going in slightly different directions. You've got the more nimble, you know, um, challenger brands that are coming up and they're able to kind of go out there and do things differently and set things up differently from the beginning. And then you've got the bigger brands that are having to, that move much more slowly, um, but are having to change, change course. And you probably see them kind of going, you know, swimming away from each other, but I think they're going in a circle and you'll see them coming much back, much closer back together um, as time uh, moves on and we'll see alignment across um, industries and across activity, particularly within our kind of campaign marketing, experiential advertising sector um, of activity that it is that is for the good of the planet because we don't actually have any other choice. And I think more people are waking up to that. Interesting and, and highly positive. I'm I'm very glad to hear that. It feels like sometimes the the attention span for things, if you don't get immediate results, you know, a sad commentary on human nature, if ever there was one, is kind of a an ever-present danger of, you know, how do we know? How can we measure our progress as we go so that we know, A, we're on the right path, 
you know, B, we're, we're solving the problem and C, you know, it's each of us as individuals and each company as, you know, individual organizations are making the proper strides to get where we need to go. Do you see any of that? And, and what sort of is the, I know there's, there's dozens of benchmarks out there for where we need to get, but are we measuring along the way what our progress is? Uh, it's a really interesting um, question. And I think it's, it's what we kind of set up Isla to do. Um, a big part of it is being able to, like you say, benchmark and understand your progress in the wider, in the wider sector, you know, compared to peers so that you can at the very least align with them. And in the best sense of the word, like compete and try and, you know, try and get ahead. How can we always be one step ahead? And, you know, then everybody's doing, doing this, you know, positive impact activity for the planet kind of thing. Um, but I think in terms of um, impact, it's really hard to measure that at an individual level. And that was where Isla came came from, that idea of this is about collaborative industry action, because whilst every little helps, you know, every, you know, every raindrop makes the ocean sort of thing. Um, it's really hard to steer change individually. Um, you have to be incredibly uh I don't, I don't know, you know, when you think about people like Greta Thunberg, for example, who are able to kind of bring people on the journey with them, you know, it takes a really, really special individual to to move things forward. And corporations aren't individuals. They're, they're you know, conglomerations of lots and lots of people and lots of expectations and, and that sort of thing. So in terms of the measuring impact at Isla, we have community at the heart of our activity. So we do lots of peer-to-peer -peer knowledge sharing, knowledge transfer, education, making sure that all of the learnings and activities that happen within our within our member organizations are being brought back into Isla so that they can then be dispersed across the rest of our membership as well. So that it's kind of collaborative advantage rather than competitive advantage. We will move forward faster if we are aligning and working together very strategically. So that was kind of the idea around Isla. And, and we've seen that we're seeing that happen. We are seeing things shift through that model. Um, and, you know, we've grown from 12 organizations that founded us two and a half years ago to working with over 175 businesses um, within our membership. And in terms of progress, we have we've actually built a, a measurement platform for events and experiences, which enables you to measure the impact of your events and understand what that looks like in comparison to your other events, but also in comparison to other industry activity. And we are using um, kind of that measurement data to be able to report at an industry level not just an individual organization level, but at an industry level, so that from there, we can help guide a strategic um, impact reduction journey for the sector and map our progress against that. So if we can you know, measure the impact of a thousand events, for example, or 5,000 events, um, we get really rich data that, in, that helps us say, okay, well, you know what, experiential has this impact and activations has that impact um, and in an experiential you know the 
highest highest area of impact is in i don't know materials and energy usage and then an activation it's audience travel those sorts of things so how do we get strategic around guiding people's journey to reduce in the areas that matter for the things that they're doing so that that progress can be mapped over time at, across an industry um it's actually difficult that this is a podcast because you can't see me waving my hands and drawing pictures <laughs> in the air <laughs> to explain what I mean. But but I think that's that's I think that's the, the the heart of your question is how do we know that we're making a difference? And my the short answer to that is we won't know unless we're working together because you know you can't compare yourself against yourself. You have to compare yourself against other people, other organizations, and that's what we're enabling essentially. Brilliant answer though. Um, when it comes to big brands and holding them accountable for their promises and their strategies, what is the process there for for holding them accountable? And I, I think, you know, the other thing is I want to discuss the importance of, you know, calling people in versus calling people out. How does that play into the whole thing? I find this one really hard to answer because there's the part of me, um, there's one part of me that says, Brands making claims or statements should 100% be held accountable if they're not true or they're misguiding. Uh, I've, I, and there's part of me that really fundamentally believes that. And there's like a zero tolerance on greenwash, whether it's inadvertent or not. At the same time, and I think I made this point earlier, organizations are made up of people and individuals. And those people and individuals are experts in the in the area that they work in. It might be finance, it might be procurement, it might be creative, it might be project management. Um, you know, people are experts in those areas. We do not have sustainability experts in every brand operating at every level across, you know, every business function. And so, and there's so much misguided information out there. Um, there's so little clarity, you know, Whilst we can all agree on some fundamentals, you know, turn turn off the tap on oil, turn off the tap on plastic, you know, make sure we're protecting nature and biodiversity. There's some really fundamental things that that essentially we can all get behind because we know that they, those are solutions to um, the climate crisis. There's almost nothing else that people agree on. <laughs> so how are these people within organizations meant to meant to know what's right, meant to be able to make these statements if they're not equipped to do that. And so that's, I think when we talk about calling people in, not calling people out, it's really about understanding um, how are those brands equipping their teams with the skills and resources that they need to, um, to be able to hold them accountable. Like if you're a marketing professional and, you know, you're promoting a product and, and you know, the part of it is like, oh, we need to make sure that it's sustainability credentials come through and they're like, okay, well, it's made from recycled plastic. Cool. Then that's the, great. We can talk about it comes from recycled plastic. That's about as much information as, you know, the product team have given to the, you know, commercial team and the commercial team have given to the creative team and the, you know, where are these ads going out? All those sorts of things. There's, there's a disconnect across the brands and actually no one's, no one has the skills or capabilities to say, okay, well, it's recycled plastic, but you know, where's that plastic come from? Can it be recycled afterwards? You know, where should it be recycled? You know, could, is that a good 
Is that a good material that has been used? Is it something worth talking about, you know, or actually should we talk about the fact that it's made locally, but that's been missed by someone because recycled plastic has become out as the top thing that everyone's talking about. So, you know, there's no skills necessarily within the industry to scrutinize and ask the right questions. And I think that's where brands need to be held accountable is are you equipping your teams across the board at every level with the skills and expertise that they need to um to do their job and to talk about things in the right way and if you're not then you should be held accountable for the statements that you're making because you're not equipping people to say and do the right things based on the right information you're just saying okay let's talk about our sustainability credentials and you don't even understand them. And that's, I think that's where the disconnect is. That was fantastic. And I a hundred percent agree. Absolutely. Um, this, this has been great. And I appreciate you taking the time. Where can people find out more about Isla? You can visit weareisla.co.uk and that is I-S-L-A. So uh, easily confused with Isla, um, but we like to confuse it with Isla Fisher. Um, so yeah, you can weareisla.co.uk um, and yeah, you can find out more about us. I appreciate you taking the time to be on today. This has been absolutely great. Thank you, Richard. Great to speak with you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing to it, sharing it, or leaving a positive rating on the podcast platform of your choice. The TV is no longer just a brand awareness play. With Mountain's self-serve connected TV ad software, you can get real-time data-backed insights that take the guesswork out of TV ad measurement. With Mountain, you can track your connected TV ad performance down to the last decimal, compare it to your other channels with leading web analytics integrations, and even see which viewers are taking the next step to visit your website or make a purchase, regardless of what household device they use. Visit mountain.com to learn more.